Good evening. It's Necro Thursday. We're coming at you with another episode of the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Jeff? It's going okay, man. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, as we record this, it's the uh, holiday weekend, so um, got a, got some well-deserved downtime, which is nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually got Monday off, so uh, I'm probably not going to be doing anything, but uh, at least I don't have to go to work. Yeah, it's probably better to uh, not travel this weekend, especially up here where I'm at. I uh, suffered some traffic mishaps this morning. Uh, getting into the Necromaniacs uh, recording studio, so uh, <laughs> yeah, there was like some pretty pretty crazy traffic this morning. So yeah, we just launched our own studio. We bought a space in New York. It's worth like a couple million dollars. Yeah, yeah. In the in the time the time uh, the, the New York Times building, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's like <laughs> a big Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you doing anything this weekend? Just laying low, man. Last weekend was uh, a trip up to the Hudson Valley with my girlfriend, Tina, and um, just like hung out nice. there for a couple weeks. And then next weekend is the Danzig uh, show down in, um, in Atlantic City. And uh, wow, yeah, that's that's like uh, we're going down for the entire weekend and just just uh, raging down there in AC. I don't know if I've ever been to a show in Atlantic City. It seems like a weird place for a show. They have them from time to time. It's um, there's like a casino down there, which is ironic, actually. You know, with Danzig, he's like an older guy now. Uh, he's fully getting into that Elvis like kind of mode, I guess, by playing casino. Yeah. Except this this one's not in Vegas. It's in Atlantic City. You know, his home state of New Jersey. So. Uh, <laughs> No, it's cool, man. I, I've never really been to a show down there either. Um, I've been to AC a few times over the last couple of years, but uh, it should be fun. Sounds fun. I I don't think I've been to Atlantic City. I think I'd remember that. Uh, yeah, I've never been. It's interesting. You know, it's like uh, the Guido Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're really selling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, it's fun. It's a trippy place. You know, you go down there, it's like on the water, which I dig. There's like a boardwalk. You know, I'm not a, I'm not much of a gambler, you know, or partier for that I mean, matter. But uh, it's always a lot of fun to go down there. I enjoyed Coney Island in uh, in Brooklyn. That, that, that was fun. That was strange. I love Coney Island. That's uh, one of my favorite places in New York City, actually. And uh, for, for yeah, about a year, I lived walking distance from Coney Island. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, actually I did walk there from Gravesend, uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, that's, I that's right. Our mutual I, friend, John. Yep. I lived in Gravesend for a year before I moved out to Jersey. Yeah. I liked it out there. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I know, I know John, John Lamacchia lives out there from, uh, he's got his, you know, solo thing going on. He used to be in, uh, Candiria, a band that, you guys yep. have toured with a bunch of times, so yeah, good guy, talented guy, great guy. Yeah, had a lot of fun staying with him. Stayed with him for like a week after uh, ISIS broke up. Him and I just uh, recorded some some music together, uh, and it would turn into the the Crone album. 
Yeah, yeah, that's once again anyone out there who hasn't picked up the Crone record, it's uh, it's available on Translation Loss. Yeah, it's, I think we just sold our six millionth copy, so uh, <laughs> you know, get it while you can. So you got you got those fat Crone checks rolling in. Oh uh, yeah, it's nuts, man. I just quit my job. I got a gold chain. Dude, I'm oh, fucking yeah. living. Blew it all. Yeah. <laughs> you blew the, whole, the entire yeah. like like royalty payment on your gold chain. Yeah, well, half of it was on my gold chain. The other half was on, you know, women gambling, drugs, you know, the usual stuff. <laughs> totally. The, us- the usual stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, you got to live life. Yeah. Uh, before we get going, I just want to shout out our brothers and the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Of course, coming at you to kick the week off. We've got Brandon Legion with the Horror Wolf 666 podcast. On Tuesday, Tuesdays, we have uh, the Mightiest Metal podcast on the internet. Of course, that's Into the Necrosphere, brought to you by Jackie Smith. Wednesday, we have Everything Went Black, which is kind of a, um, you know, like a Carol Burnett uh, variety show style podcast where you can get pretty much anything. Music, MMA, uh, you know literature movies you can talk we talk about everything so it's that's uh my flagship podcast thursday's necro thursday which um as you know is the day that necromaniacs drops me and jeff along with mike scandato we co-host the show together and um friday is break the apocalypse which has a new name which i should write down because it's completely slipped my mind at the moment unfortunately <laughs> sorry john <laughs> um sundays to round out the week we have call Haikara with soul Knox, and then from the shadows cheyenne from trivax drops iblis manifestations schedule unknown <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, he regularly puts episodes up, but they're, you know, there's, he, he can't be bothered with a, with a regular schedule. He's too free for that. Yeah. Good for him, man. Yeah. I, I embrace freedom. Yeah. You know, it's great. Yeah. Me too. I've been enjoying some of our brethren's uh, podcasts. I just listened to Brandon Legion do his Seinfeld horror podcast. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. Pretty fun. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So yeah. uh, that's totally the podcast for me. I um I I, man, I enjoy every all, all the shows. I mean, they're all they're all great, you know. And and of course, um, Brandon's is always a good way to kick off the week on Mondays. You know what I mean? Mondays kind of like a you know for if you work Monday through Friday, Monday could be like a a bummer when you wake up in the morning, you know, and you're like dragging your ass out of bed, you know, heading heading to the uh, salt mine or you know factory or whatever job you got you got you have to go to, and. uh you put that in, and yeah, it's cool, man. It's a good, good way to like get that morning happening, you know. Yeah, I got about a thirty-minute ride to work, so that, that that's a good way to start my week. Hell yeah! And that's it, man. That's uh, our war against mediocrity. We are, you know, the podcasting uh, movement that we have going on will kind of help everyone get through their week. Absolutely. Speaking of getting through the week, you and I haven't talked to you in a while, Mike. Uh, what, what have you been checking out? Well, I've uh, fallen into a re- revisiting of the Hannibal television show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you checked that out? 
No, you know, uh, you keep telling me to do that, and I never have. And you're not the only one. I have a lot of friends who say it's phenomenal. I always sort of shied away from this. NBC doing horror. I don't, you know, it's a major network. They got to keep it PG, PG-13. Uh, so I just never really gave it the time of day. But you're, you've been telling me I've rated this for, for a while now. Yeah, I did not see it in real time. Like, it was already canceled by the time I started watching yeah. it. And uh, yeah, I, think, I think that's the same for everyone. Yeah, I think the reason why it got, ironically, it got dropped from NBC because it was on NBC. You know, it was, Brian Fuller um, was a, you know, the he's a showrunner, I guess, director, a creative yeah. uh, force behind this whole uh, operation with Hannibal. And um, I was, uh, well, it was a period of time where, like the, there wasn't like a sling TV thing where you could watch live television without having a cable connection, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't have cable. I just had like an internet connection. It was like the beginning of Prime and um, Netflix and being able to rent stuff on uh, your Apple, uh, you know, Apple iTunes kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I, I read about it in uh, Rue Morgue magazine. And I was like, man, this sounds totally awesome. It's got, you know, this incredible cast. The the imagery that they had was like super dark. But I'm like, man, but mm -hmm. it's on like a network, you know, television. So I ended up buying the three seasons that were available on um on iTunes. And uh I I couldn't pull myself away from it. I binged like all three seasons, like just straight through, man. And of course, it ends on a cliffhanger. Mm. So it doesn't, it's never completed. The story's never resolved, which is a real bummer. And then um, over the years, I remember reading that, you know, maybe Netflix was going to pick it up and, you know, but now it's like at least, you know, it's probably over 10 years have gone by and all the, all the actors have kind of aged out of, you know, picking up the mantle again. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, maybe they'll finish it in like a video game or comic book or something. I've seen that kind of happen before where stories continue in a completely different medium. I, I just want them to finish it somehow. And if they just did a graphic novel, that'd be cool. But like it, it would it's just such a tragedy that that show was never completed with in, in a timely manner. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And then you got some shows that go on forever and no one seems to like them. Well, you have uh, just things in this world that shouldn't exist that just seem to go on infinitum, you know? Yeah, like Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan's a great example of a show that didn't need <laughs> yeah. to exist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's cool. Anything else? Um, Just been, you know, <laughs> once again... You know, day late, dollar short. Uh, I just I started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm a couple of uh, weeks ago, like through the. You just started, <laughs> dude. Wow. Through the urgings, the urgings of my girlfriend, she's just like, I can't believe you've never seen this. This is like, you know, the greatest comedy, one of the greatest comedy shows ever, and I agree, it is. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about Seinfeld. Curb Your Enthusiasm takes that and just to to the next level. Yeah. So they, it's they should really, do a, really uh, fun. They should do, Brand, Brandon should do another uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, type of uh, connection to his Seinfeld horror. You know, 
Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Curb will come up as they further explore that old link between Seinfeld and horror. Yeah, yeah, totally. What What have you been yeah. checking out? Uh, a lot of stuff, but I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, I texted you. I watched the Meg Two. Okay. As it is now streaming, and you know we are very big Ben Wheatley fans oh, yeah. on this podcast, and. You know, when the reviews started coming out for the Meg saying it stinks, I thought, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe they're wrong. Ben Wheatley will do this justice. And I got to say, man, there's no signs that he even made this fucking movie. <laughs> it is just not only dumb. I mean, the first one was dumb, but it was boring. Oh, man. I mean, somehow, like, the killer shark takes a back seat to this like illegal mining operation and uh you know as i like it, it, the last half hour kind of erupts into mayhem um but yeah it just it, it was just just bad i mean i remember reading about this one shot that's in the movie that's you know inside the shark's mouth as it's attacking people and i was looking forward to that the whole movie and it happens and it's a blink blinking you miss a kind of moment right uh, I just thought Ben Wheeling would do something with this. You know, he's got a very dark sense of humor, really unique sensibilities. Like, what's he going to bring to the killer shark genre? And the answer is absolutely nothing. I mean, anyone could have made this movie. I wouldn't ever in a million years think Ben Wheatley did this. Yeah, I mean, his, his hands are probably tied, though, I imagine, with what he's able to do with this, you know? Oh, yeah. But it, it basically, why did he want to do this? I guess the paycheck, it, it, you know? Sure. I mean, I think the movie tanked in the States, but worldwide it made something like $400 million. It made a lot of money. So it did well. And I saw him on social media talking about prepping for the Meg 3, if if this one was a hit. So I guess Ben Wheely is their guy moving forward in the series. So uh, there was Which, no Michael Smiley, like, uh, you know, cameo or anything like that? No Michael Smiley. No, I think that might be the first thing he's done that, where he didn't <laughs> show up. I was kind of expecting that or, I don't know, some sort of inappropriately funny moment during something really violent happening. Just anything, anything, something weird, but it was just flat and boring and... You know, Jason Statham, he's fun. It's fun to watch beat people up and fight sharks, you know. I mean, uh, but, you know, there's so little of that. I, like I said, the last half hour, there's a giant octopus or squid that fights one of the sharks. And it's just such an eyesore, such an ugly CGI headache of a movie. You know, you know what's a real drag, too, is we all know that Ben Wheatley is a... Um you know, a fan of weird fiction and cosmic horror and folk horror. Like he's, a lot of his yes. films have elements of that in it. Wouldn't it have been really cool if the Meg had somehow been like this kind of like Cthulhu-esque, uh, you know, mm. underwater, you know, Leviathan kind of thing, you know? Yeah, something like that. I think it's also sticking to the source material. The Meg is a series of books, uh, that I think are really popular. You know, I used to do oh, a lot wow. of flying. I didn't know that. In, in, in my days as a, as a musician. As a rock star. When ISIS, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When ISIS was based out of L.A., I was living in New York. And uh, I was flying back and forth to 
couple times a month. And, you know, you buy some books at the airport where you see them. And I sell those Meg books all the time. And if they're selling them at an airport, I assume they're popular. Yeah, no, definitely. Bestseller type stuff. So, yeah. So maybe, you know, like a, the author has a hand in producing these, wants to stick to the source material. Again, like, yeah, give, give Ben Wheatley free reign. I think he would have done something, like you said, something really, really interesting with this whole genre. But uh, this wasn't it. Yeah, just, just a couple more comments about the Meg. I Jason Statham. I, I understand why, you know, the money has to be fantastic doing these, like, action-oriented films, you know? And I, yeah. I, you know, hey, props for doing that, making making money. However, I think that his acting abilities are underserved by the medium mm. in which that he has chosen to put his career. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. I think there's more to him than than meets the eye. Like he's he's more interesting than the roles he picks. I was just gonna say I like Jason Statham. I don't know if I've li ever really liked anything he's been. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he's been in a couple of you know, like the the older stuff that he did. I thought was awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, the guy Richie stuff. Yeah, the guy Richie material is great. You know, and there's stuff where he pops up and. What, what, where you actually see his acting ability is when you put him against other lesser actors, you know, mm. like the uh, what's that that um, there was that movie that came out a while ago the the uh, I don't know where it's got like like Randy Couture was in it like all these like MMA guys were in it and uh, non actors the, the Expendables three <laughs> yeah like the Expendables you can see that he's yeah. a real actor when you put him against these these amateur guys you know what I mean. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, those movies are a lot of fun. They're terrible, but <laughs> they're always entertaining. Yeah, you know that—that's all I gotta say about that, really. You know, and and the Meg man, just you know, old Ben Wheatley. That's his day job. You know. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, maybe it's a one for them, one for me kind of thing, because he's just coming off of uh, you know he did In the Earth, and then he did the. Uh, actually, no, he did the film Rebecca, then In the Earth, and Rebecca was for Netflix. And again, kind of missing his signature stamp on the film. And then he does In the Earth, which was, I think, pure Ben Wheatley fucking weirdness. Totally, yeah. And now he's doing this. So really looking forward to his next non-Meg movie. Um, but hey, watch it. See for yourself. Maybe you'll love it. I mean, I, I talked to people who, who thoroughly enjoyed it. So there you go. I might, uh, um, yeah, I might, I might check out a movie this weekend. We'll see. There you go. I also just uh, did a rewatch of Dead Man just oh, recently. Uh, one of the best movies ever made, maybe top five for me. Definitely my favorite western. Love, love, love that movie. Haven't seen it in maybe twenty years though. Excellent movie. Excellent score. Um, all around, just a great experience watching that. Yeah, I can't recommend it. Uh, can't recommend it enough. And I just kind of fell upon this Netflix series called Painkiller. Have you heard about this? No. <clears throat> um, it's a mostly fictionalized version of the Sackler family and the opioid crisis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, interesting subject matter. Um, I've been prescribed opio opioids in my past. I never, I've, uh, I never turned into a uh, for a junkie but they definitely they hold a certain grip 
trip over you. I get it. I can see why people threw their life away, you know, chasing that high. Uh, great, interesting subject matter. Not very well executed, I got to say. Uh, most of the main characters were complete works of fiction. They weren't real people. Right. And I think this story would be better served by telling it in a more factual manner. Uh, there was a show on Hulu called Dope Sick that I've basically seen... dealt, told the same story. I've seen that, actually. That was pretty good. Yeah. And this was um, directed, every episode was directed by Peter Berg. Another kind of hit and miss director, you know, like some things are like, oh, it was really good. And other things are just trash. And, uh, but, you know, this was about, uh, I think it was seven or eight episodes. Uh, each episode is about 40 minutes long. So won't take up too much of your time. It just bended too satirical for me. You know, too on the nose with everything. Everything that, that's, that, that they show you, that they tell you, just feels over the top, overwrought. Two on the nose, just. But I couldn't stop watching it, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's sort of a recommend for me. I don't know. I, I, if you're curious about the subject matter, and it's very interesting to see how greed and money can uh, just completely, you know, like destroy parts of America. I mean, I remember the opioid crisis and when OxyContin hit the street, and it was everywhere. I mean, you could get it easier than you could get fucking weed. It was crazy. So, interesting stuff. So, is that a recommend or no? Sort of. <laughs> I would say watch it and let me know what you think. Um, that's about it. I've watched a bunch of other stuff, but not really important. Those were like the uh, the main things that, that, that felt relevant. Right on, man. I'm just going to give a quick uh, commercial for Everything Went Black. I should have probably did this earlier. But uh, if I know that a lot of people that listen to this are also true detective fans. And, um, you know, if you don't listen to Everything Went Black regularly, in the next couple of weeks, you might want to check out the uh, Long Shadows episode that Ralph and I did, which covers season one of True Detective. And... Um, it's been something that listeners of that podcast have been asking about for quite a while. So Ralph and I finally got around to doing a two-part episode about that. And uh, the first episode's on the regular Everything Went Black stream. And the second episode, which is more about the philosophical and um, literary connections with uh, season one, is on the Everything Went Black Patreon. And if you're a subscriber mm. of Patreon, which is only a dollar a month, you're gonna you'll get part one and part two together so yeah it's a little business there you know what i mean a little little hype so i just want to mention that to everybody <laughs> oh great no i'm really looking forward to that you uh you're probably the most well-versed in true detective out of everyone i know so i'm i'm definitely going to be listening yeah in the analysis part we get real deep man we talk about ambrose bierce we talk about arthur schopenhauer thomas Ligotti. like we get into the you know of course robert chambers like the whole deep dive into the philosophy it's really cool yeah uh one of the greatest uh i mean it's a tv show i consider season one an eight-hour film basically 100 yeah, percent, definitely yeah it's just almost almost perfect and every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. It's very rewatchable, for sure. 
Absolutely. Every couple of years they do it. So this, this week we don't have any voicemails. Um, if you want to uh, call us and leave a you know message, make a recommendation, because we have actually been digging into the recommendation list that comes from the Necrophone. So um, if you want to drop us a line, you know, we, we've been getting like two, you know, one or two voicemails a week, and uh, it's been really cool. Got our, our um, you know, regular caller in, Mike from Pennsylvania. You know, he's, he's been uh, yeah. absent, you know, hope he's doing well. But, uh, yeah, it's, if you want to leave us a message, make a recommendation, you know, anything. Recommend multiple films that you're into. Ask us if we've seen these. Maybe recommend us talk about it, that kind of thing. Feel free. And that number is 908-913-0782. 908-913-0782. Just give us a shout. Been some great recommendations lately. Actually, someone just recommended Machinist, which I just watched. Uh, I don't know, like a month ago. I, I think that's a great film to talk about. You know, it's almost a weird, a weird tale, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'll save my thoughts for it for when we talk about. Yeah, it. actually, when we're done with this, let's let's have a conversation about some future stuff. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for this week. Um, we finally got around to doing Influencer, which was uh, a pretty hyped up film that was a Shutter exclusive that came out this past year. And I know that we've been uh, expressing our discontent with uh, the, the the fair of 2023 so far. So, oh yeah, yeah, you, um, you know, Jeff. I know that Brandon Legion has also recommended this film, but uh, Jeff, you were you were the trailblazer on this one, so. Um, so yeah yeah uh interestingly enough uh, yeah i had you said it was a, uh, you know uh, sort of a, a topic i didn't know this movie existed at all and we were looking me and my girlfriend and i were uh, looking for something to watch uh one afternoon when we both had the day off and just turned on shutter and saw i was like yeah sure okay fine i'll watch this i knew nothing about it and at the end i thought well there's something there man mike and i should probably talk about this one and I got to say, going into this cold, it's probably the way to go. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, uh, I would recommend you shut this off and watch it because probably get into some some spoilers. So some things that have to be discussed to, to really talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and um, so just uh, go over some of the particulars first. Directed by Curtis David Harder, written by Tesh. Kutikanda and Curtis David Harder. Released in October 16th, 2022, the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, but uh, became a um, Shutter exclusive this year in 2023. And I, I believe that it's not available on any other uh, platforms to date. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, cast, we got Emily Tennant as Madison, Cassandra Nod as CW, Sarah Canning as Jessica, Rory J. Saper as Ryan, Paul Spurrier as Rupert, Justin Sams as Jay. And that's, uh, that's so a small cast. Yeah, you know, kind of small, tight production, you know. Yeah, are you familiar with the director at all? No, never heard of this guy before. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw, I looked him up. Uh, he had some interesting producing credits. He produced uh, a couple movies that I, I thought were uh, pretty good, being uh, Harpoon. Did you see that? No. Pretty good. Um, all takes place on a boat. Uh, and I think there's only maybe three or four actors in the whole thing. And he did another cool little survival type horror called What Keeps You Alive. Or he produced it. He didn't direct it. Um, so he is associated with some pretty good low budget horror, uh, that takes place, you know, small cast of characters. He, you know, he seems to be well-versed in, in that stuff. Yeah. I, I was unfamiliar with any of his material that he'd worked on, but, uh, but so it's cool. It's like a lot of, a lot of these like shutter exclusives are, um, you know, new filmmakers getting their initial releases out, which I think is cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Shutter sometimes the exclusive stuff can be be hit and miss, but uh, you know, usually almost always worth a watch. They seem to have a few of these type of movies in this genre on the uh, on their on their platform. This sort of new wave of influencer YouTube sort of set horror movies. Yeah, I mean that's that's like a huge cultural development, really. So it makes sense, you know. And, and I got to say, Shutter, even though I don't like all their exclusives if you, the the work that they put out always feels very current it feels very much like on the on the cutting edge of what's going on societally you know yeah i think horror has always been kind of good at exploring that of what you know you go back and watch 80s horror it's very much a product of its time or same with the 90s and but any era of horror and this is this is no different you know it makes sense like you said to start to see the more of this coming into the genre of this influencer stuff that I don't really know too much about. I don't either. And I was going to ask you about that. I mean, the, um, the whole subject matter of this film is about, you know, the influencer, the, the Instagram, social media, TikTok influencer, which in some ways, maybe you and I have aged out of that kind of demographic of being, uh, aware of this stuff, you know, cause I, I, all, you know, I, I'm on Instagram, you know, the show's on Instagram, the band I play in has an Instagram account, you know, and we promote stuff. But my understanding is there's these people out there that make a living off of uh, just taking pictures of themselves with products. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, it's very interesting. I, you think, who cares? Like, I don't know anyone who would care about this stuff. But yeah, I'm, you know, about to turn 47 years old. Why the fuck would I know anyone that's, uh, that's that into this stuff? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's a big thing now. And influencers are the new uh, rock stars. They're the new movie stars. That's my understanding. Like, Hollywood seems like a dying industry. Uh, everything, not everything, but a lot of movies are bombing left and right. Um I don't think we've forgotten a new movie star uh, in the vein of someone like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or Will Smith or we haven't. And that seems to be the the end of that. You know, who who there is no new version of that. Uh, but turns out there is. It's this whole new culture of uh, you know, online influencers and, and TikTokers and YouTubers and all this stuff I don't really know anything about. I find it troubling, you know. I mean, I find it disappointing. Yeah, yeah I find uh, it very disappointing because um, the erosion of our, you know, um, state of mind 
is seems to be driving this kind of phenomenon you know um you know the the lack of attention that people seem to have lack of ability it's funny because like movies have gotten longer but i feel like mm. people's attention spans have gotten shorter <laughs> that's true that's interesting yeah yeah i remember like an average movie length was about 90 minutes uh yeah. back in when i you know first started you know was a kid and you know you watch some of these marvel movies they're three three hour three and a half hours long yeah exactly you know and when people don't they, they just want to digest uh content in like you know, 30 second bites or minute, minute long, two minute long pieces, you know? Very, very true. Yeah. People get their news through memes now and, and, and shit like that. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, I gotta say though, this movie, like when I saw it, when I turned it on, I, I had it in my head, what I was expecting, what kind of moves like, Oh, this is going to be, a send up of uh, influencer culture and all this stuff. And it is, but it's not exactly how I thought it was going to be. It was uh, smarter, smarter than, than I expected. Well, I think in, it has a cynical point of view on inf influencer culture, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I noticed even in the opening, we meet Madison who is presumed to be the star of the film uh, or the main character, rather. Um, and she's sort of going on about your basic influencer stuff about uh, traveling, new experiences, and taking in the local culture. She's in Thailand on vacation. And it was very subtle. Like, it cut to her eating a cheeseburger. Which, <laughs> you know, if you're in Thailand and you're taking in the local like culture and everything, why are you eating a cheeseburger? Uh I thought that was a nice, subtle touch, and the and the, the fact that she's staying in a resort, uh, you know, you know what I mean. You're having this uh, fake, authentic experience. You know, you want to see something new, but you want all the comforts uh, of home. And I like that it was very subtle uh, in, in its approach to sort of mocking this the, the, this whole thing. And uh, Madison is not. Again, not as expected. You kind of expect this vapid, brain-dead, entitled person, but she's not that. She's just sort of this lonely person trying to figure things out. She's more interesting than, than I expected. Yeah, she's sort of just found herself in this, um, this role, this role as someone who gets paid to travel and take pictures of things, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's at, I picked up on that right away that she was in Thailand, and I was just like, okay, you know, some Penang curry, some cool temples, you know, an elephant, you know, maybe like uh, Muay Thai or something like that, you know, and uh, right. none of that. She could have been anywhere. She could have didn't necessarily have to be in Thailand at all. Yeah, 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 it, exactly. Like she's staying at a resort. Everyone's uh, speaking English. She's eating cheeseburger and fries. The, you can do this. Uh, you can walk out your door and walk to a place and do that probably, you know, Um I just thought that was a very clever way to uh, to, to set this whole all up. And, uh, you know, okay, Madison's at a bar, you know, talking to like a creepy British guy. That seems to be a thing in Thailand, the creepy British guy, older, <laughs> older guy. <laughs> that would have been a perfect role for Michael Smiley, by the way. Yeah, perfect. Or, you know, maybe uh, someone in the band Coil, <laughs> if they were <laughs> yeah. still alive. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you like, 
again, you think this guy is going to be some sort of creepy antagonist, but then we meet the actual creepy antagonist, the CW. At least that's what I have. I never got like, is that her name? Because yeah, that's, that's her all name. I have written down. Yeah, that that's yeah, a, she doesn't have a full name. choice. Yeah, very Poe, okay. very Edgar Allan Poe esque for her just to have oh, like, okay. like a you know an initial or something like that as her name. Mm, yeah, and uh, she ends up being the the main antagonist uh, of of the film. You know, uh, she kind of sort of takes Madison under her wing, and you you know. Again, I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Single white female, um, kind of, kind of thing, and it doesn't go there at all. Well, a little bit, but that's not what this is. There's a bit of that, but yeah, it's not. It's not like a you know any any kind of uh, you know uh, single white female kind of. We're we're talking about the early '90s film with Jennifer Jason Lee and um, in it. This is not that. So yeah. yeah. No, it's not that at all. And I so I kind of thought it was going to be a cat and mouse between Madison and and CW and Madison slowly realizing that she's being taken advantage of. But twenty minutes into the movie, it completely shifts gears and perspectives. And from that moment on, I thought, wow, I was like, oh wow, I'm not watching what I thought I was watching. This is far more interesting than than I expected. Another thing to mention about CW is that marking on her face yes yeah i wanted to talk about that yeah like what um, I, I at first i thought it was like a marking that she was part of a because I, I i tried not to go into this with any expectations either because initially when i first started hearing about this film i was like man this sounds like exactly what i would not want to watch you know so i didn't read yeah. much about this film and then i was like oh there's like a mark on her face maybe there's like I know they were going to an island. I was like, well, maybe there's like some, you know, cult or, you know, of other people with marks on their face like that. That's initially what I thought. Yeah, but it's not a part of the story really at all. Um, and that's not a makeup uh, um, application or anything. That's, that's what the actress looks like. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because I was kind of curious about it, too, because um, one thing I, I can say about the movie, CW is a little bit underdeveloped, I thought, as the, the, the main antagonist. Um, I wondered what made her the way she is, why she's doing this. And I never really got a sense of why. I thought, well, oh, is it just the birthmark? She has something against uh, pretty people. Maybe she perceives herself as ugly because of this birthmark, but the birthmark is not really a part of the plot at all. It's only mentioned um, towards the, the end of the film, and it's um, it's not a major part of it. Uh, I, I was just curious about, like, where in her life, like, what went wrong. You know, like, you watch the movie Mandy, and there's that really quick scene of someone offering Nick Cage's character a beer, and he sort of gives it a look and waves it off. That tells you so much about that character in a matter of seconds. Yeah, I really think CW needed just something like that. What's her motivation for 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 all this? That that's my one of my biggest criticisms of the film is that there's no there's literally no motivation is presented for why she's involved in these like intricate plots. Basically, you know that she's done the things that we're about to discuss. She's she's like uh, a serial 
component of her life. Like she's done these things over and over again, you know, obsessively, but there's no mm-hmm. reason for this obsession. You're not giving it any kind of motivation or anything. And I was waiting for that the entire film. Like, okay, when when's the reveal as to why she's doing this stuff? Yeah, and it never comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you get like you do. It doesn't show you uh, any backstory, but you get a sense she's been doing this a long time. So this is uh, again, uh, spoiler-ish. Uh, Madison is not the main character of this movie at all. She is in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> And, and they roll the credits and stuff kind of deep into the film, too. Yeah, exactly. That that that, that had me at that moment. I was like, okay, this isn't what I expected. This yeah. this is should be really cool. Uh, we find out that CW is basically like uh, befriending influencers and only influencers, it seems, taking them to an island and leaving them to die. Uh, pretty pretty sinister and <laughs> involved plot. Yeah, and and uh, with this her. this whole the way it's unraveled with um with Madison, you know, it's like oh we're gonna go to this place, and as we're rolling out to this place in a boat, um Madison goes to post something, and she realizes that she doesn't have any kind of cell service or any connection out there. Right. And, uh, yeah. So they yeah. arrive at this beach. It's beautiful. It's remote. You know, and and uh, you know the the reason. Madison's also kind of getting um, sick of doing this kind of thing. So she's, it's to her, it was like a welcome departure from the constant interaction on social media. So she was like, oh, this is cool. I can just, you know, live and not have to worry about putting this stuff online. Right. Yeah. And of course, like the two, uh, the two ladies, they have a campfire, you know, they're drinking some red wine, you know, it's like a girl's night out kind of thing, you know? join a couple wines, right yes yeah. you know and, yeah um, yeah she thinks she has a friend yeah and it's it's interesting because it's it's in this setup of like telling trying to tell each other like creepy campfire stories which is always like a big favorite of mine too you know and yeah essentially cw tells her exactly what she's gonna do she's like it describes what it'd be like to be left on the island to be surrounded by water to die of thirst and exposure wow. and all this stuff. And of course, Madison believes that, oh, you're just, you know, that, that's, that's funny. You know what I mean? That's like, you're, you're not doing anything <laughs> like that. And that's um, exactly what she does. <laughs> yeah. It's literally exactly what she does. Like the next morning you see Madison still asleep in the sands, you know, they have a little campfire camping set up and you see CW literally just get into the boat and ride away. Yeah, uh, nice touch to it. I like as CW's telling Madison all this. It doesn't cut to her doing it in the past or anything like that. It sort of holds on CW just telling this story. You know, there's a few reaction shots from Madison, but it doesn't show you any of this. So you're still thinking maybe, I don't know, maybe she's, she's just, you know, you're showing her dark something, sense of humor. But no, that's that's exactly what she does. Uh, but you have that moment of, of you're not quite sure where, where it's going. Is she really going to do that? Uh, I, I really liked that moment quite a bit. It's also uh, important to note that there was some um, domestic strife going on with Madison. And she we see she's got this boyfriend, this guy. He's a, um Australian dude, sort of like photographer, you know, kind of guy. You know, cool guy, you know, with the hair and all that sort of stuff. You know? Yeah, and um, 
he was originally supposed to accompany her on on this adventure, but you know he had some work related things, and he was able, wasn't able to come out there. Yeah, uh, Ryan was a pretty good character too. Again, I was expecting like your classic asshole uh, boyfriend, maybe a little bit uh, manipulative and, uh, and abusive, and you know th- there were certainly some some qualities to that. But I thought he was a pretty well-rounded character and the audience is a bit ahead of Ryan. Obviously Ryan shows up uh, to win Madison back and Madison's not there. He runs into CW. And so we as the audience are are ahead of him, but uh, it takes him a little bit to catch up, Uh, but it's within character, you know, like Ryan doesn't strike me as particularly bright or thoughtful. It, it would make sense that he'd be out partying and not like, Hey, this is weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's, he was, I thought he was well-written. You know, he's kind of like a typical guy. I would say, what, what would you age these, these actors at? Like say 25 or something like that. 26. Yeah. I was going to say 24 to 26, 27 at the very most. Yeah. yeah. So not, you know, just kind of living in the moment, you know, he's, uh, you know, Ryan's into like, hanging out with chicks and drinking and partying and, you know, stuff like that. Dancing, that kind of thing. Partying. Life. Right. Yeah. He's also being manipulated by CW. CW has now basically taken over Madison's accounts. Uh, she's posting on Instagram as Madison, um, calling people as Madison. Apparently she's, she's very good at, and tech savvy at, uh, you know, uh, voice synthesizing and face swapping and all that stuff. Uh, uh, I, I know that stuff is all real. It's felt like a bit of a stretch that that would be believable to anyone, but you know, okay, whatever, you know, I, I can look past that. Well, what I thought was really well done is, uh, you know, the fact that Ryan as a photographer is kind of important to the plot actually. And, uh, right. you know, we talk about all this technology, and the, which I, I do believe is real at this point. You know, there's all sorts of deep fakes that have been going on, you know, especially oh, sure. these days. So it's uh, if you're looking at something on your on your phone, you know, some tiny image of somebody, of course, that might come off as being incredibly real. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, of course, when Ryan takes a closer look at it, he sees something is is very off. Um, I really like the moment when Ryan is in the same room as CW and he, Ryan thinks he's talking to Madison, but he's really talking to CW. She's on the computer typing out uh, her responses. And he's like, you sound weird. Yeah. Really well done. Um, like there's some kind of like yeah. voice synthesizer or something like that. Yeah, and it's cool. And again, like Ryan, you know, he's a little self-centered. He's just like, okay, this is weird, but whatever. I'm here to party, and you know, I'll worry about all this later. Until uh, too many strange, it's too many things just don't add up, and he starts to take a closer look at uh, CW. Yeah, and then there's the other influencer, uh, Jessica, that is um, some caught right. in CW's web too. So we see her basically doing the same thing to another person yeah and uh, ryan sort of interrupts all that um i don't think the whole jessica thing was very necessary to the plot but i i liked all of it you know to see cw get rattled she's done this so many times she could do this in her sleep but ryan comes and interrupts them and now she has to think on her feet yeah and ryan is saying things like uh, you know uh 
Madison didn't mention anything about you and, you know, why are you here? You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, Jessica sort of catches on to uh, CW almost instantly. Like, whereas Madison was very, uh, you know, she was not a nice person. Uh, she was openly, like, uh, she, she, she was instantly open to, to CW and being friends. Uh, Jessica is not... She's sort of immune to CW's charms until until she starts to appeal to Jessica's ego, and then she lets her in. But she's got like an eye on her the whole time. She's yeah. never really quite buying what she's selling. You know what I mean? That I think that speaks to just the amount of loneliness that Madison had in her life too. Because like in the very beginning of the film, we, they're painting this picture of Madison's really lonely existence. You know, singular. She's out there by herself in these beautiful locations, you know, and I guess like um, what came to mind was when you're by yourself and you're seeing these things, which you really are, even though you're posting it and, you know, millions of people are looking at this photograph of you, you're still just alone, you know, just alone yeah. in a fucking room somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I think that really is kind of a, a center point of this film, like the idea of loneliness in modern society and how even though there's the perception with social media that all this stuff's going on and, you know, people are, like, interesting and everything, so many people are just alone and lonely. And I love that it didn't hit you over the head with that. Yeah. It's a very so Like, Jessica is more of what I expected Madison to be. She is entitled. She is standoffish. She is sort of an empty shell of a person who is like just uh, attention starved and, and and mean and things like that. Yeah, like it, it um, that was interesting to me because I was watching. I was like, I'm not, I'm not really sure how this fits in, and it really doesn't. But it just adds so much like color to to the movie. Yeah, I but think it that. Also uh, brings I'm sorry, up go, a ahead. Plot hole. go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, I was gonna. It, it also brings up one of the plot holes of the movie. Does no one notice that all these influencers just sort of disappear in Thailand? Yeah, yeah, because we, as we see later on, that it's not the first rodeo that she's gone through, and it's like if all these people have all these millions of followers, it's like, and they all of them suddenly just are gone; they vanish, you know. But then again, they don't vanish because it's it's also put out there that for a time at least, CW is taking on the role. Of, of Madison, you know, but then she does make a statement that um, I'm closing my account, this and that, you know, she, and so they don't really just disappear, but they do go away from being influencers. Right. And I just figured like someone would, would catch on to that. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, uh, it was a, it's, it's stretched a little bit too far into unbelievable for me, but. You know, like, then again, maybe that's what the movie's trying to say. Like, none of this stuff really matters. None of the, no one really cares about any of these people. Actually, that, I think you hit the, you hit the nail on the head there. I think, because, like, there's even a moment where someone says that, don't, isn't there? Where, like, no one really cares about any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no big speeches explaining, like, the movie's, uh, a mission statement or anything like that you have to kind of come to the these conclusions on your own like how we i just did talking about it with you yeah. <laughs> um it's this this whole movie took me by surprise uh i was expecting nothing and was was quite 
pleasantly surprised uh, how good this was. Yeah. And so Ryan, Ryan gets hip to the whole thing. Like he figures out yeah. what's going on. Um, you know, he confronts CW and this is a little bit of unrealism the way this, the whole thing happens too, you know? Where, yeah. 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 He, 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 should, he could have easily have kept control of CW, you know, even though Ryan, you know, Ryan like is like a, a full grown man, you know, uh, CW is like a, you know, I would say a slight woman. She's not very big, you know, she's probably small in stature and uh, not very, yeah. you know, powerful, you know what I mean? Physically. But somehow, right. She's able to get the upper hand on him and like, you know, kill him. Uh, you know, it, there's a water involved and a knife and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it gets a little bit uh, again, like, you know, just the whole way Ryan uh, chooses to handle this whole thing. He doesn't go to the authorities. He goes and knocks out CW and ties her to yeah. a chair. Uh, like, okay, it almost seems like it's out of a completely different movie, but I understand. And yeah, so yes, CW gets the upper hand somehow. I'm not sure, but you know that sequence under the water is is cool. Like it, it's yeah, it looks cool, interesting looking. Yeah, it's good. This whole movie looks good. Great use of the uh, Bangkok locations. I assume this is filmed on location. Yeah, no, yeah, I, th I believe it is. You know, some of the, the landscapes that they have, the island, all that stuff's beautiful. And I like it when the setting is sort of important to the plot of the, of the movie like it is here you know some movies can be filmed anywhere take place anywhere this had to take place here uh in in in, in bangkok uh you know it was just a visually a nice movie to look at yeah for sure yeah so we have ryan is in like what like a like a suit bag or something like that she's got him like uh covered up in a bag basically and yeah, she's uh, motoring out to the island, right, to dispose of the body, probably bury him, or or actually just have the local fauna eat him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she actually went into all that. I thought that was a cool part in the movie in the beginning when she's describing, well, you know, you'll eventually you'll die and the land crabs will devour you and your bones will be scattered and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, another nice touch, too, when she goes back to the island, you see little, like, sort of grave markings. Yeah. So I think about three or four of them. Yeah, so, so she's done this at least three or four times. It's implied. Exactly. You know. Surprise, surprise. Madison's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that coming? I, I kind of did, actually, to be honest. Okay. All right. Because watching it with, uh, with, with my girlfriend, Karen, she... Uh, in the middle of the movie, she's like, I bet you Madison is alive. Like, we're going to find out, like, she did, like, a camping survival thing for, uh, yeah. for you know, uh, some influencer thing. And she's going to, like, survive this whole thing. And I was like, no, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go there. And sure enough, it does. As CW gets to the island. She sees uh, those days, you know, like, she carved into a, a, a tree branch how many days she'd been there. And CW sees it and goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, didn't, I, was, I gotta say, I didn't really see it coming. I thought, you know, it was pulling like a, a full-on, you know, Hitchcock Psycho or De Palma's sisters where we're following this person, we think they're the main character, and then, nope, they're gone. Had it just uh, so ended with, 
had it just ended with Ryan dying, that would have been kind of satisfying to me, honestly. Yeah. Again, that's what I thought. I thought she Ryan was going to die, and she was going to completely become Madison. She was going to keep up the charade and have this sort of, you know, dark, uh, cynical ending. But that's not where it goes. No. And uh, we see that uh, Madison hits uh, CW over the head with a shovel. And um, she actually leaves her on the island because we see that she's not dead at the end of the film. Right. Which, uh, you know, kind of leaves you wondering. Like, I, I, I was driving around after seeing this, thinking in my head where this could have gone after the credits roll. The CW... Uh, Get off the island? Does Madison report all of this? Um, what happens? We don't know. Yeah, you know, the fact that she was alive, I, I'm, I'm going to run with the implication that, um, like, the ultimate retribution for surviving is to ensure that CW dies in the same way that she described Madison's death. You know, but but right. since Madison survived, there's no guarantee that CW is going to die. You know, right? Exactly. Uh, CW has proven to be a very resourceful, crafty person. Um, she could survive that. I mean, she probably has some sort of you know training to survive something like that. Uh, how does she even know that island exists? You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so many questions. But also, uh, that, you know, she would have to to, to get. Like I, I imagine living on an island like that with limited resources, you could pretty much only just prolong the inevitable, you know, and someone would have to eventually like rescue you from there. Right. Yeah. Um, still, I, I was kind of surprised by, by the ending. And yeah, I, I love just how it, Madison just rides off in the boat credits roll and you're left wondering where this all goes, but Ryan's still dead, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, I, I like that she's, you know. There's a nice shot of her lifting up the tarp that Ryan's under, taking like a, a look and then just closing it, and no expression on her face. Like she's been on this island for, uh, it looked to be like over a week. Yeah. And this whole thing is probably played out in her head a million times. Uh, she's sort of emotionally dead now. Um, you know, CW probably created a, a monster in Madison, you know, uh, just that she can look at her dead boyfriend and appears to just feel nothing in, in, in that moment. I, I really liked that shot a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, all in all, what what do you think of this film? Um, a nice surprise, actually. I expected nothing and and enjoyed it 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 didn't it never really quite went where i thought it was gonna go and uh i don't yeah i I give this uh i give it a four likewise likewise for me i give it a four there was definitely um some you know holds like i would like to have known more about cw's motivation like they don't really explain why she's doing all these things and um so that that's like that was like uh, a demotion for me you know, but still, me too. Once again, had no idea what this movie was going to be about. I knew, I knew, all I knew is that a lot of people dug it. It didn't seem like something I'd be interested in, but I had a, I had a very positive viewing experience with it. 
Yeah, me too. And as we were talking about at the top of the show, 2023 hasn't been really good for horror at all. I just saw one of the most hyped up horror movies of the year talk to me and didn't like it at all. And, you know, I just throw this on one day and I'm like, oh, that was good. I find myself uh, thinking about it after I saw it. So for 2023, this is honestly one of the better ones I've seen all year. Yeah, it's definitely a high point in a year with a lot of low points. So, yeah, for sure. Even in a stronger year, though, I still think I'd really like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, in lieu of all, in light of all the other uh, movies that came out this year, this one will probably be higher up on my list of films. But, yeah, I would still have enjoyed this regardless of what year it came out in. Right. I, I maybe it would be an honorable mention, but for right now, it's probably a top five. You know, yeah. we'll we'll see how the uh, remaining months uh, pan out. But definitely worth a watch. Uh, I hope I hope you watched it before you listen to this. Um, but yeah, really pleasant, pleasantly surprised. Right on. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Across Texas, uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>